Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. story starts a couple months before that. Um, it was really my, my whole life. I, I just wanted a dog. I just wanted a dog. That's all I wanted as a kid. All, all I wanted, I just, I just wanted a dog, you know. All we had were outdoor cats that were a little mangy and a little scary. One of, only, one of them only had one ear and it lost it in a fight with a coyote. And the coyote lost more than an ear. Yeah. And so I just wanted a puppy. <laughs> I asked my parents, I, I, all year, all year, can I have a puppy? No. I want a puppy. No. <laughs> maybe for Christmas? Okay, maybe. Maybe. You know. So it's Christmas morning, and I go out. <laughs> I run out to the living room. I scurry out there. I, like, shove my brother out of the way because I used to be greedy. And... <laughs> Under the tree, I see a big old box. You know, I think it had just some holes in the top. You know, wrapped up all big, and I know, I know what's in the box. You know, I've seen those TV specials too. I see this big old box with the little air holes on top, right in the front of the tree, and I know what I'm getting. And I, I I'm like freaking out. And I run up to the box. And I look at my parents, I'm like, is this one mine? And they're like, yeah. You know, and they're, they're like off in the corner and they're, they're holding each other. My parents just like watching me, you know. And my brother's like climbing off of the floor, like trying to waddle to his presence. And I just tear open this box, right? Because in my brain, it's going to be like that, that picture where like the puppy comes up and just licks my face and it's cute. And like, I like grab it and like swing it around, like all excited, you know. And it's Christmas, and like everyone has a good day on Christmas, you know? Just about. And like. <laughs> and so I rip this box open, and like my heart sinks, you know? But not in a like, oh, it's sad, but in like pure, unadulterated, like aggression. Like, as a little boy, I had never really struggled with a ton of anger until this exact second. It was like someone flipped this little switch, and I was like, Hulk mad! And like. <laughs> Because, like, in the, in the box, right, in the box, I picked up, and it was, uh, it was a poochie. Do you guys remember this? No. This might be before your time. I don't know. But they're these little robotic dogs, you know? You know? All right. And here's the deal. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you hear, you hear robot dog, and we're in the Jetsons-like future of 2017 when a robot dog means a robot dog. You know, this was in 2002 when a robot dog meant a $20 piece of plastic from Hasbro that had some basic programming, and its eyes lit up a little bit, and it yipped, you know? That's all it was. That's all it did. And I see it in the box. And, you know, it, it stands up because the battery's already inside, and, and it, like, it kind of yips, and I'm like, this should have been 
the puppy licking my face moment, you know? <laughs> this should have been me swinging in my arms, like, this should have been this, you know? And, and in, in 2002, it was the moment that I was just overcome with rage. <laughs> and I grab it in my hand, and I look at my parents, and I just say, what is this? I look at that, and I'm just like, you know? And my dad, without missing a beat, says, well, that's your dog. And I grabbed it, and I hucked it. Talk about baseball. I just threw it right against the wall as hard as my little arm could, and it broke, right? And it broke. And, and suddenly I ruined Christmas. And... <laughs> And I was so mad, because that was the big gift, you know? And I was a little brat, and I just, I was so mad. And I was like, that was not a dog, you know? You know, and my, and my parents, like, they kind of laughed, but also got upset, you know? And uh, my dad was like, well, son, we wanted to see how you take care of a robot dog for a month or so. And we figured for your birthday, we'd maybe give you a real one. <laughs> And then he just, I follow his eyes to the floor and I just see the broken remains of Poochie, the nameless robot dog. <laughs> and the point of this story, the point of this whole story is that they told me it was a dog. <laughs> and when you call something something, it should be that something. <laughs> And names matter, and titles matter, and when you tell me it's a dog, it should be a dog. <laughs> you know? Anyway, let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you. I just thank you so much for your goodness, God. I thank you so much that you're just here with us, God. You're in our sorrow and you're in our joy. You are right, right with us. And we just ask that you just continue to bless this night, and we just thank you, Lord. Amen. Ah. Okay, I love it. I okay. Here's the thing. I gotta say, like, I'm very, very happy to have the opportunity to preach tonight. But I, I was telling Taylor this, Pastor Taylor, this earlier. I'm like, you know, I feel like the last four sermons I've had the opportunity to speak. Me and half the room have been here crying on our faces at the end. And I was like, you know, we've had a lot of crying moments, you know, and, and that's great, and it's cathartic, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, and I love it, and I cry more than any other man with a pulse, but I really don't think that tonight is that night for this sermon. I really don't. I think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to be exciting, and I'm, I'm really excited to share tonight, you know? And that story was silly, and that story was crazy, and that story was way more than I needed. Um, but it's, it's to say, names have meaning, you know? When my parents tell me it's a dog, I expected a dog, you know? And that's not what that was. You know, and, and in the same way, like, we're talk, we've been talking about identity. How many people have been here for the rest of the This Is Who You Are series, the last three weeks or so? You know, we kicked it off with Pastor Taylor just talking about Hey, we are God's children. This is who we are, you know? We had guest speaker, itinerant preacher, Pastor Andrew in the house, talking about this is who we are. We take what's ours because we know our place is royalty, you know? We had, we had Emily, my fiance, right here for a while, talking about being the bride of Christ, you know, as part of who we are as Christians. And tonight, I want to, I don't know if it's too abstract or too whatever, but I really just want to talk about just the most 
kind of self-described part of identity, which is our name. <laughs> you know, our names are who we are. You know, <laughs> and it might seem like very simplistic, or like, wow, you really dug deep to try to find a topic within identity. You pick names, um, but it matters. Yeah. You know, and when when I say names, the title of the sermon is named, and what I'm talking about is God calls us something. <laughs> We're created to be something. We have a purpose. We have a name. And we better know who he says we are. <laughs> good, man. Because that is who we are. <laughs> In spite of what, who we think we are. <laughs> In spite of what our lies tell us, what our family tells us, what our friends tell us, what anyone else tells us, what our circumstances tell us, what society tells us. All those things could be great, but they might not be the truth of this is who God says you are. <laughs> you know? And that's what I say. Like Names are important. Our identity, <laughs> and so I want to jump in, and I want to talk about. I don't. I don't know if it's because um, I lead a Bible study on Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. across the street. The whole sorry, shameless plug there, but the whole thing of the Bible study is it's a Bible character study. I love these things. I did one with Mr. David Knox a couple of years ago at Denny's. It was amazing, and the, the whole thing. The whole thing is just this idea of. What if we treated the Bible characters like real, living, breathing people like they are, you know? What if, they, what if we taught these characters like they walked through life like we walk through life? Yeah, culture is different. Yeah, geography is different. Yeah, some of the circumstances are different. But they're true, and they're full of soul, and they were real, and there's real things we can learn from them. And maybe that's why I was thinking tonight about I want to talk about someone. <laughs> and there's so many examples in the Bible where names are important. Um, but the person I kept thinking of uh, was Peter, the Apostle Peter, you know, because when he started, his name was Simon. <laughs> and one of the first things Jesus does when he meets Peter, who is Simon, he says, hey, you're Simon, right? Yeah. I'm going to call you Peter. The rest, <laughs> the rest of history is Peter. The, the most, the closest is, yeah, that's Simon Peter, but we just, we just call him Peter now. Like, <laughs> he's Peter. <laughs> Jesus sees you, and the first thing, he says, you Simon? Yeah? No, 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 you're Peter. That's it. That's your name. It's stuck. That's, that's it, right? And so that story, it comes out of John 1, verse 40 to 42. I'm just going to read it for you real quick. It's talking about <laughs> some of the disciples here. It says, one of the two who heard John speak, that's John the Baptist, and followed, Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. When Simon heard, he first found his own, or sorry, when Andrew heard, he found first his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John? Yeah, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. <laughs> there it is. First introduction. You're Simon, right? Yeah. Oh, good. You're Peter. <laughs> Why did he do that? Was, was Jesus just having fun? Was Jesus, you know, I, I think in a culture where names mattered back then, as they kind of do now, you know, in a place where names mattered and the title, you know, like their last names were bar whatever your father's name was. Like that is your last name in this culture. It's, hey, you're Peter, son of, son of this guy, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Names mattered. <laughs> they told you so much about who you were. Your first name is going to be your son's last name. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's important. And for the first thing, man to man, that Jesus says, this is your name, right? Yeah? No, it's not. <laughs> it's wow. this now. Wow. You know? I think it was a big deal. I don't think it was a cute nickname he picked. I think it meant something. You know? I think it meant something, and, and, and I know it does, because Peter actually means something. It means rock. 
you know? They talk about it later in the gospel because he says, hey, Pete, on you, I'm going to build my church because you're this rock. <laughs> you're a foundation like this. You, you, you're a rock. <laughs> you're immovable. You're firm. You're steadfast. Yeah, your name is rock. <laughs> this is who you are. <laughs> and I love when Jesus talks about who people are, it's like their actions and what they do are mixed in just the essence of who they are. You know, it's not about works, but it's like if this is who someone is, it's going to flow out of them. Yeah. And he says, you are a rock. That is who you are. And sure enough, eventually you see that's kind of who he becomes, you know. But I think it's interesting because his, his given name is Simon. In Simon, some translations <laughs> translate it as listener or listening. But another translation, it says it's like grass-like or reed-like. You know, and some of the scholars believe that when those kind of meanings are kind of put together like that, it's this image of almost like the way you can hear the wind moving through reeds or grass, wow. you know, when the wind blows. And you can kind of listen to the sound of this, this like flimsy little thing rocking back and forth, you know. And in that time, that's what Simon meant. <laughs> Simon meant you're this lighter-than-air, flimsy thing that goes back and forth in the wind. <laughs> you can literally listen to it just bending and moving and bending and moving. Wow. And he talks to that guy, and he says, no, you're the rock. Wow. You're firm, you're immovable, this is who you are. <laughs> wow. Why I love that Jesus does this is because Peter, all throughout the Gospels, he, he's just one of his main men. He's one of the followers. He's part of the crew. He's part of his top three, you know? <laughs> but all throughout the gospel, you have Peter being, I'll follow you, Jesus. But then he's the first one with his foot in his mouth, you know? We have this man who's like, yeah, I'm going to walk on water with you. He jumps out of the boat. He gets a couple steps. And then the next second, he's drowning. He takes his eyes off Jesus, you know? You have this like, yes, we're good. This is great. And the next minute, he's chopping people's ears off, you know? And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> And at the end of Jesus's, uh, before he died, Peter was so zealous. He's just like, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And Jesus looks at him. He's like, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and we have this man who everything he stands for says, even if I have to die with you, I'm not going to deny you. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> and the very next thing that happens is he denies him three times in a row. <laughs> I think it's wild because so much of the Gospels paint Peter out to be Simon. <laughs> in one moment, back the next. Blowing in the wind. Here one second over here. One second over here. Not firm. Not immovable. Almost fickle. Moving in the breeze. <laughs> wow. Moving like his environment moves. Wow. You know, at this church we talk about the idea of being powerful people. What does that mean? It means taking initiative. It means being a leader in our own lives in the way that we can say, I'm going to be a thermostat and not a thermometer. That means I'm going to walk into a room, and if everything's heavy and crazy bad and crazy stuff's going on, you know, I'll just adjust to it because it's easier than standing out or it's easier than trying to adjust, you know? And a thermostat says, man, it's hot in here. Let's cool this thing down. Yeah. You know, or it's freezing here. We've got to light this up, you know? <laughs> and I think that the, the gospel, we, we see so much of Peter being like a thermometer, <laughs> Being this guy that just moves with the breeze, in one moment, out the next, never really sure-footed, never really the foundational, never really being Peter, you know? And I think this matters because the next thing we see out of Pete is Jesus gets killed. <laughs> he gets crucified. And the last thing Peter got to do was deny Christ. <laughs> and then the very next thing that happens is he dies for him. <laughs> he never got to clear the air. He never got to 
flip back the other way, <laughs> you know, wow. the way he wanted, the way he always leads with, which is really good, really good, really good, and then falling off. He never got to bounce back. The last thing he got to do was deny him. The last thing he got to do was prove that everything he said of I'll never deny you was wrong. <laughs> you know? But then Jesus comes back because that's what he does. <laughs> you know, Jesus comes back from the dead. And one of the first, the, one of the first things he does when he sees Peter is he says, Peter, come and walk with me. <laughs> and, and what he does is he just affirms Peter and he says, hey, do you love me? <laughs> Peter says, yeah, I love you. <laughs> and Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. But do you love me? <laughs> you know, Peter's like, yeah, still love you, you know. <laughs> and Jesus says, this is the third time, Peter, do you love me? And this is the third time it broke Peter's heart because the third time he realized what Jesus was doing, <laughs> you know. The last thing he did with Peter was Peter denied him three times. Jesus comes back and the only thing he says, he doesn't come with judgment, he doesn't come with guilt, he doesn't come with, what the heck, bro? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> He doesn't even bring it up. He just says, hey, man, do you love me? <laughs> he doesn't even worry about the circumstance, the failure, the anything. He just says, hey, man, how's our relationship doing? Do you love me? <laughs> and Peter keeps saying yes. And Jesus says, that's awesome, man. Feed my sheep. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Be the church. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Lead. That's awesome, man. Be Peter. <laughs> you know? So Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes down, and for the first time, I believe, Simon is Peter. <laughs> he gets that spirit the first thing after Pentecost. He goes outside, witnesses to thousands of people. I think it's Acts 4 or 5, maybe. He just starts preaching, and thousands of people give their life to Christ. Thousands of people get baptized, and you have Peter. Immediately, everyone who's in this new faith, everyone looks to Peter because they're like, that was the dude that was in the top three. That was the dude that was right by his side. That was the guy. And Peter says, yeah, I'm the guy. Let's do this. <laughs> he goes into courtyards preaching. He gets persecuted. He preaches. He gets arrested. He preaches. He gets beaten. He preaches. He goes over here. He preaches. All because he's trying to feed the sheep. <laughs> all because he's the rock that that church is going to spring out of. <laughs> Him and the rest of the disciples. <laughs> he's the rock. And you had that man who was in one moment, out the next. You had that moment that when Jesus was in trouble, when Jesus was arrested and he could have stood by him, he denied him and fled him and said, I have nothing to do with this guy. I don't even know who he is. That's the guy who now dies for him. <laughs> Peter dies for Christ. Peter's martyred. <laughs> because he was a rock. It's so cool because throughout the Bible, God does this all the time. God does this thing where he renames people. In those Gospels, Jesus actually looks at uh, John and I think James, uh, the sons of Zebedee, right? He looks at them and he says, you guys, awesome, awesome. You're the sons of thunder. <laughs> you know, not even, not even Jesus, but just the Lord at different points, you know, through the Father or whatever, maybe, maybe still Jesus. I don't know how that all works, but in the past... Abram, you know, he was this guy in the beginning of Genesis. His name was Abram, which meant father. <laughs> and he had no children. And he was really old. And God's like, you're going to have a kid. And he's like, Lord, I'm 100. <laughs> and he was like, it's okay, I'm with you, you know. And he has a kid, you know. And he says, by the way, your name's now Abraham. Which means you're not just a father, you're a father of a nation. 
you know. <laughs> we have his grandson, Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. It means all these things. He gets renamed Israel. <laughs> That's where the name of God's people come from. He says, no, no, no. You were born a deceiver. You were born this person, but you're Israel now. <laughs> you know, we have it all throughout the Bible. Sometimes it's not even a physical name. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's like Gideon from Judges. Sometimes it's like that. He didn't give him a name change, but he might as well have because Gideon was hiding <laughs> when enemies were all around him, and the Lord found him in his place of hiding and said, "You are a mighty man of valor." He says, "You, I see you over there hiding." You're a mighty man of valor. (laughs) And all of a sudden, that man takes down armies. All of a sudden, that man is a war hero. All of a sudden, that man's at the front. All of a sudden, that man is immortalized for thousands and thousands of years. The guy that was scared and hiding. Because in the moment, he's not Gideon. In the moment where he needs to step up, he's the mighty man of valor. (laughs) You know? Why did Peter change the world? Because Peter stopped being Simon. (laughs) I think that when we are born again, I think when we accept that Holy Spirit, I think we have so much more than a change on some kind of like, I don't know, survey sheet of like, what religion are you? Now I'm practicing to know Christian now. I think we have more than that. I think we actually have a new nature. I think we actually have a new identity. I think we actually have newness. I think we actually have a name. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17 says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we were once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. (laughs) Behold, Simon is dead and Peter is alive. Behold, Gideon is done hiding, but the mighty man of valor is taking down the enemies of the armies. (laughs) When Jesus comes into our life, the old really has passed away, and we really are something new. You know? Because having that new name, we have a new nature. (laughs) We have the intended nature. We have the design. We have what he always wanted for us, which was our true self. (laughs) We have our real identity. (laughs) Not what we were born into, not what circumstances tried to tell us we were, but who he said, this was always you. (laughs) Before you were born, you were always with me. In my heart, in my mind. Psalms, David talks about Psalms, I think 139. He talks about before a single day of my life had passed, you knew me. (laughs) In those moments before time had meaning, before there was time at all, in the heart of God, he knew us. (laughs) And when you have that new nature, when you have that new name, it's just God saying, this is who I've always seen. (laughs) Before I created anything, this is who you are. You might think it's a new name, but it's the oldest name you have. (laughs) You know? So my first point is, I have a name. Can we say that really quick? I have a name. Awesome. So good. I'm being pretty basic, but you see where I'm going with this. Why I think this new name is cool is because this new name, this new nature, it can't exist by itself. (laughs) The new nature doesn't make sense unless there was a Christ who was perfect, a blameless lamb who died for us, who came back to give us everything. (laughs) 
It doesn't mean anything unless there's an inheritance for us. It doesn't mean anything unless all this stuff is true, which it is. <laughs> but when we have that new name, it means we were really bought. <laughs> it means there was a real thing that catalyzed that change. It means when we say that the old has passed away and the new has come, that means the old had to die and something new had to take its place. And that was Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's verses that says we're crucified with him <laughs> so that we can live with him. You know? <laughs> I think it's interesting because I think that this means we actually belong to someone. Our identity is not just this new and wonderful and perfect thing that came down from the Father of lights. Although it is, <laughs> it also means, hey, it's attached to something. <laughs> I'm part of something. I, it, it, mean, it, it came out of somewhere and I'm attached to it. I belong to something. Last night at like 12.30, I woke up and started writing these notes in my phone. I love the book of Genesis. It's one of my favorite books of all time. First book, you know, I, I think when I first started to get into the Christian thing, I just couldn't get pretty far. And so I just kind of kept reading the first couple pages. But I, I just, I love it. I don't know. I don't know if that's how it started. But dang it, it took. It's one of my favorites of all time, you know. And so I woke up last night and I thought about these verses in Genesis it's God talking to Adam. It's out of Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Praise the Lord. Fill the earth and subdue it. It says, Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every other living creature that moves on the ground. In this place, it not only establishes that God made people, it says he made all these other animals, and he says, we say that you can rule over this. <laughs> the next verse is out of Genesis 2, 19 and 20, just the very next chapter, next page. It says, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, it says, but for Adam, there was no suitable helper. That was before Eve. <laughs> the Lord. Why I have these two scriptures is something weird clicked in my brain that I just want to like kind of put at your guys' feet to do with whatever you want. But it's this idea that God seems to really reinforce these ideas in both of these passages that, hey, I made all of these things, and you're going to rule over them. I've made all these things, and I want to see what you're going to name them. <laughs> Don't you think it's interesting that Adam gets to name the things he rules over. <laughs> I never thought of it like that, but literally the thing that God grants Adam dominion over, he gets to put a name to. Wow. Wow. And I just thought that that was a really, really cool picture, especially when you read Ephesians 3, 14, and 15. <laughs> New Testament, way on the other end here. It says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in, in heaven and on earth is named. <laughs> Let me read that one more time because I stuttered a bit. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. <laughs> I think it's interesting because we have a God who names things. <laughs> I think it's so interesting because we have Jesus with even some of his closest followers. He's saying, this is your name? No, man, this is your name. <laughs> you know? How do we know when Jesus really reigned in Peter's heart? When Peter was Peter and not Simon. So good. How do we know it was real? How do we know that that name stuck? How do we know that he belonged when God actually had dominion over him? So good. 
when Peter, when Simon says, you're Lord, I'm not going to deny you. When he says, you're Lord, and that means I'm the rock. <laughs> you know? I just think it's interesting. <laughs> All throughout the Bible, I'll just read little snapshots here. Isaiah 43, there's a section where he says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. I have a commentator that, his name's David Guzik. He's free online. It's awesome. Like, Google him. He's so great for Bible commentary. He just had a blurb on this passage in Isaiah that says, he's just repeating it. He says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. And he says, God twice owns his people. He has the right of ownership as both the creator and the redeemer. I know you by name as creator. You are mine because I redeemed you. I think it's awesome. Say it again. I know. Say it again. Okay. We'll say it again one more time. It says God twice owns his people. He has the right of ownership both as creator and as redeemer. Come on. He knows you by name as creator. You're his because he's your redeemer. Ooh, I love that. Guzik goes on to say, knowing we belong to the Lord is a wonderful answer to fear. Oh, <laughs> we can know that he holds us, protects us, guards us, and care for us. Here we go right here. We can know that we would, he would not have created, redeemed, and called us unless he intended to finish his work in us. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, it's so good because that holds hands with Isaiah 55. I'm bouncing all over the place, but follow with me because it's great. <laughs> Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall all accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I'm not going to read that again because I'll stumble over the words, but essentially he's saying... Look at the way rain comes down. Comes down from on high, waters the ground. It brings fruitfulness. It brings bread. It brings everything that these people need around it. And notice how the rain just doesn't go back up into the sky empty-handed before it sees all the fruitfulness. In the same way, every word from the Father doesn't come back empty. Another translation says it doesn't come back voided. It doesn't come back. It's not like God's bouncing the check when he speaks something out. And this is the same God that calls us by name. You know? He's not going to speak something into existence. He's not going to call you by name and then not have that name mean something. He doesn't call Peter and say, you're the rock, for Peter then to bury into himself and not be the rock. <laughs> he didn't die and come back for Simon the denier to just roam the earth. He came back so Simon could be Peter and feed the sheep. You know? When we think of it through that lens, it's not cocky to be like, Hey, I'm exactly who he made me to be. <laughs> I'm strong. I'm empowered. I reign. I'm a son. I'm a daughter because of what Jesus did. <laughs> it's not proud. It's saying, I believe you when you say what you say about me. I believe you when you speak this thing over me and say, you call me, you love me, I'm yours, this is my name, because I know that nothing you speak returns void. <laughs> you know? My number two is, I belong to someone. Say it again. I belong to someone. Our name is so attached. We have a new name. We have a new likeness. We have a new nature. 
We're not Simons, we're Peters. <laughs> ah. I love it. I love it so much. This one's just for free. It's out of Revelation 3, 4, and 5. I just thought this was so cool. I got on this huge bunny trail this week about like verses that include the word names or names in the Bible or why names matter biblically. And I found this verse. I, saw, I found all these, books, uh, these verses on the book of life, right? What is that? It's not just this really cool animated movie that I'll talk to you about sometime. It's, 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 this, it's this thing outside of time where God writes our name in it that says, Hey, you're with me forever. <laughs> you're in eternity. Some people, sometimes they call it the Lamb's Book of Life. It means signed, sealed, delivered. You're covered in the blood. <laughs> you're accepted. You're in the kingdom. You're mine. I'm all over it. <laughs> Revelations 3 talks about it. Verses 4 and 5, it says, Yet you have still a few names in Sardis. He's talking to a church, but it's kind of representative of some of the people of God too. It says, People who have not soiled their own garments, and they will walk... Okay, basically, blah, 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 blah. God clothes people in white when they, don't, when they hold on, right? <laughs> it says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Here we go. This is Jesus talking. It says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. <laughs> I think that this is so wild because I think that, you know, when you think about confessing the name, it should be us confessing the name of Jesus. You know, when we think about us in front of the throne, in front of the Father, you think about us on our knees being like, Jesus, you're holy. <laughs> like, you're the Lord of my life. I confess you. I believe in you. I love you. I'm here for you. But it actually says, for the people that hold on, for the people that I clothe in life, for the people that actually <laughs> believe who I say they are, for they actually give their lives to me, where I'm not just their creator who named them this, but I'm actually their redeemer who bought them. I'll clothe them in white, and their name is never out of my book. <laughs> he not only gave us the name, he wrote it down in his book. <laughs> and he says that one day, before the Father, in judgment, I am going to go in front of my Father and say, I confess that he's with me. And he's going to call us by name. You know? I just think it's powerful, and I think it matters when we call something what it is. The message was a little scattered, but if I can let you guys take away anything, it's this idea that I think who we are is a lot more than we think we are. I think that who we are is a lot more than we let ourselves believe we are. And I think that our circumstances, our lives, our past, our fear of the future, our responsibilities, our struggles, our being in the middle of the process sometimes cloud the fact that, hey, I'm Dominic. <laughs> you know? We let it cloud the fact that <clears throat> I have a name. <laughs> you know? And I like to think of my name like Gideon, where it wasn't a name change, but Gideon used to mean one thing. <laughs> wow. Gideon used to be Oh, you mean that coward that's hiding in a wine press to try to avoid battle, to try to avoid stress and worry and all this stuff? And then Gideon came to me and, you mean that mighty man of valor? <laughs> you mean the war hero? You mean the guy that stood for the armies of the living God? You mean that man? <laughs> I, think about when, I think when we understand the God that bought us back, I think when we understand the Lord who has dominion over us when we call him Lord, <laughs> I think when we really understand that, our names might be the same, but they mean something very different. <laughs> you know? Thank you, Lord.
So I want to do, I want to pray really quick, and then I want to do a really practical exercise, and then we can start to get going. <laughs> That's okay. So dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for anyone that has held on through 40 minutes of a run-on sentence, God. I thank you. <laughs> God, I thank you, Lord, that you know them by name. I thank you that before time began, you called them by their name. I thank you, God, that when they found you, you wrote that name down in your book, and you never want to have an eraser on it. <laughs> I thank you that Jesus knew exactly who the joy set before him was. I thank you that when you call us, it means we belong to you. I thank you that you make us men and women whose names have meaning. God, I ask that in the, this week and in the week to come, God, that you just bless them and that you just really show them who they are. <laughs> Maybe he's already told you. <laughs> Maybe he tells you all the time. Maybe you've never really stopped and asked him yourself, who do you say I am, Lord? There are days when I feel broken, <laughs> when I feel bent, when I feel <laughs> off track, that I quiet myself and I ask three questions. <laughs> I ask God in a quiet place, God, who are you today? I ask God, who are you to me today? And I ask God, who do you say that I am today? I love it because it tells me so much. It's like he reveals something new about himself to me every time I pray that. It's like he reveals something new about the, the unique relationship I have with him every time I pray that. And I feel like he encourages me and builds me up in who I am every time I pray that. So God, let that be their prayer this week. God, who are you to them? Who you are and who you say they are, God. And I thank you and I bless this process in Jesus' name, amen. Ah, oh, come a long way from dog toys on Christmas. <laughs> cool, guys. So what I want to do right now is I just want to have everyone stand up. We got to shake it up a little. We're about to leave here. But what I wanted to do, I don't know if you noticed, but points number one and two, does anybody remember them? Anyone? I have a name. Oh, yes. Number two? I belong. Oh, my gosh. Reading comprehension at a college level. Awesome. What you might not have realized is that my points were actually declarations. Hey. Yes. What does that mean? Declarations are really a way of just saying, it's almost like a prophetic way of agreeing with what the Lord says about us, about anything, right? It's just agreeing with the Lord. It's coming into agreement. <laughs> Some people seeing this for the first time, maybe this is just positivity. Maybe this is just saying fun things that are happy and great. Yeah, maybe if the Lord wasn't touching it. Yes, maybe if it wasn't. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I just love declarations. It's a way that we can just come and just be under what God says. And so I think declarations are anything that God says is true. And so the first two declarations for this week are, I have a name and I belong to someone. <laughs> but I wanted to end with just a couple more really quick. So if you want to repeat after me with the most fierce man or woman of valor voice you have. <laughs> I am more than my circumstances. I am more than my circumstances. Ooh, say it enough, we'll believe it. Next one. I am bigger than my past. I am bigger than my past. I am bigger than my fear of the future. I am bigger than my fear of the future. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Royalty. Royalty. 
righteous, righteous, blameless, blameless, and free. And free. My name, my name, is in that book. Is in that book forever. Forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsandmarcus.com for other exciting content from Summit. You pour out your spirit in the midst of a triumph thirsty land. You give up your mercy.